When was the last time you were thirsty? And instead of getting some water, like you know you probably should, you reach for that nice, ice-cold soft drink, that Dr. Pepper, that Sprite, that Coke, whatever your favorite soft drink is. You know, you know it's not going to actually quench your thirst, but it's really tasty. It's really good, all those chemicals and sugars. Mm. Now, we're all guilty of this at some point. I know I've been guilty of this. But we really know that it's not going to quench our thirst. Only water will quench and satisfy us. So where am I going with this? Am I just hating on soda? Not really. Don't worry, I am going somewhere with this. Today I'm talking about the miracle of Yeshua turning the water into wine. And for this miracle, we'll be turning to John chapter 2. You're welcome to join me there. What I find awesome about John's gospel is that, like many speakers have already said today, I love how he opens in such a dramatic, epic way. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Yeshua is God. But he almost goes on to say, if you don't believe what I have to say, check out what John the Baptist, Yohanan the Immerser, had to say. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Upon him, the Holy Spirit rested like a dove. But if you don't want to listen to him, check out what the disciples had to say. It's incredible, the verbal testimonies of who Yeshua is, answering this question, who is Yeshua? But then we get into John chapter 2, the actual hard evidence of what Yeshua did, who Yeshua said he was. And this is his first Miracle. I think there's a lot of significance to this being his first miracle. So John chapter 2, verse 1, it begins with, And on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of the Galilee. Now, a lot of you might already know, but of course, Jewish weddings in ancient Israel were nothing like we have today. They were not these one-day affairs. They would last five to seven days. They were crazy, amazing, celebratory, feasting and drinking. But they would begin way back before then with the betrothal process. The man and the woman would commit themselves to each other and become legally married, but not yet consummating that marriage. The man would then go away, maybe for a year, to prepare a place for his bride literally building a house and sometimes attaching it to his father's house. And then only when everything was ready would he go and get his bride with the sound of the shofar, with the sound of the trumpet, and they would have the wedding ceremony. So here is Yeshua at this wedding ceremony in Cana, and Yeshua's mother is there as well. But there's a problem. And the problem is this. They have they run out of wine. Now, Obviously, in our modern day, we just go down to the store and grab another 50 bottles, no big deal. But back then, that's a massive issue. This is humiliating to the groom's family, to the bride's family, to his ability to provide, having missed this important detail. So Yeshua's mother goes to Yeshua and is like, hey, they've run out of wine. Yeshua says the weirdest thing, woman, what does this have to do with me? Why are you telling me this? But then Yeshua's mother turns to the servants and says, okay, whatever he says to do, you do. So Yeshua turns to these servants and says, okay, you see these six stone jars used for purification. Fill them up with water. So the servants probably going like, what in the world? This is weird. But sure, why not? They fill those stone jars with water to the brim. And when they have filled those stone jars to the brim, something incredible happens the water turns to wine. They take a cup to the master of the ceremonies 
And the master of the ceremonies tastes it and is like, oh my goodness gracious, holy guacamole, this is the best wine I have ever tasted. Everyone else saves a cheap wine till last, but you have saved the best till last. That's the miracle. Wow. Now, I'll admit, you know, we're all familiar with this miracle. This is like the, the, the children's Bible story. Jesus turned the water into wine. Yay, the end. That's it. We're so familiar with this story, and it's been boiled down so many times. You can look on YouTube to a debate on whether Yeshua turned the water into wine or Welch's grape juice or, you know, is, is alcohol prohibited in the Bible? No, it's not. Drunkenness is, though. Moving on. So... <laughs> I would like to ask this question. Is there any significance at all to this first miracle happening at a wedding? I think there is significance because we know with God, nothing happens by chance or by accident. It's not like, oopsie, it's at a wedding. What do you know about that? It was on purpose. So back in Leviticus 23, the father gave us his Moedim, his appointed times, which we know so well and we have learned to love and to celebrate Passover, first fruits, unleavened bread, Shavuot, Pentecost, all of which revealed what God had done for his people Israel, but also pointed towards what Yeshua would do, which Yeshua fulfilled in his first coming, the spring festivals, Passover, up until Shavuot. But we know he has not yet fulfilled the fall festivals, the Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Feast of Tabernacles. When our king returns, he'll be returning with the sound of the shofar with the trumpet sound on the Day of Trumpets. There will be the Day of Judgment, the Day of Atonement, and also our bridegroom will again tabernacle with us, the Feast of Tabernacles, and there will be a wedding supper of the Lamb. Something else that was added to the celebration of Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles later, is a ceremony called the Water Libation Ceremony. Now this ceremony is really cool because what the, fe- uh, the priests would do, they would go down to the Pool of Siloam, and they would get a jar and they fill it with water. Then they would go back and like, if you look at the historian's writings of what the celebrations of Sukkot looked like back in Yeshua's time, they were amazing. As I forget if it was Josephus, I don't want to quote it wrong. You've never seen anything like this before. It's incredible. And they would bring the water, the priests would bring the water back to the temple and with wine, pour the water and the wine over the altar. In John chapter seven, Yeshua is there at the feast of Sukkot, the feast of tabernacles. And it says on the last great day, I like to imagine he was saying this right after the water libation ceremony, which was done every single day. And he stood up and proclaimed this. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Maybe like those jars we just saw in the libation ceremony. Now scripture says he was speaking about the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So we see Yeshua drawing this parallel between living water and the Holy Spirit. So let's come back to the miracle of Yeshua turning the water into wine. We have these stone jars that are filled to the brim with living water. I'm going to submit that to you that this miracle is not only a miracle, but also a prophetic parable, a sign pointing to something that God desires to do in us as believers when we accept Yeshua as our Messiah. Just like these stone jars, he has called us to be living stones, filled to the brim with his Holy Spirit. But what happens when that water level hits the brim? It turns into wine. 
So where do we see wine in scripture? You know, we can probably go right to the, the Passover Seder that Yeshua had with his disciples. This is the blood of the covenant. This symbolizes my blood, my sacrifice, the salvation that you'll be gaining through this. But also, what is wine? It's a fruit of the vine. In John chapter 15, Yeshua said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And that was my, that was me. <laughs> I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, it is he who bears good fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we see that when these jars are filled to the brim, when these people, jars in scripture represent people, when they're filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit, with the living water, they bear good fruit, but they cannot do it on their own. If those jars were empty, they had no water, nothing would have happened. No, no wine would have been produced. No good fruit would have been produced. They needed that living water of the Holy Spirit, transforming them from the inside out. Now, God desires and has designed each of us with a capacity to bear everything he has to offer. Like has been mentioned, I think even Daniel mentioned it today, each of us are given gifts and talents and roles to be able to spread his kingdom. But we have to be honest with ourselves and, you know, honest with myself. Have I ever filled my jar with my own stuff, with my own understandings? and kind of just eh, sprinkle a bit of Yeshua on top, you know, dab a little bit of Torah on there. But really it's just me. Where I've been, my past experiences, my biases, my worldviews. Have we ever been so full of ourselves that we've left no space for God to work in our lives and to use us? Have we ever, when we accept Yeshua as our Messiah, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, but have we ever muffled the Holy Spirit's voice in our lives. A lot of us, you know, when we came to Messiah, we came to Yeshua in the church, and we hadn't yet seen the beauty of the Torah, the beauty of his instructions, and maybe we heard about it, and we're like, eh, that's weird. <laughs> Why would I do that? That's, that's a burden. Maybe some of us even fought against it. We were muffling the Holy Spirit, saying, no, this is the way that you are to walk. Have we done that? And do we still find ourselves doing this? Can we make good fruit on our own? No. We need the Holy Spirit living and vibrant and active in our lives, listening to his voice and obeying his voice, just like the servants were told to obey the voice of Yeshua. So I want to ask you, is there still something missing? Is there still something missing in our lives? Just like those guests at the wedding, their cups had run dry. They were empty, they were thirsty, and maybe they didn't even know it. Is there still something missing that we realized is missing in our walks with Yeshua? We've come to the understanding of Torah and how amazing and beautiful it is. But are we looking like Messiah? Are we walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit that he has given us? Are we walking in the fruits of the Holy Spirit in love, in gentleness, in compassion, in patience? Are we walking in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Do we get so caught up in knowing about God that we forget to get to know God, to have that intimate relationship with him, to get to know his voice so well, to have that active prayer life, fasting? Do we get so zealous to gather information and information is good, but without transformation? Do we get so caught up in 
pointing out what everyone's doing wrong instead of walking alongside them in the right direction with patience and love and humility? Do we fill our jars with, with soda, with our own things that we're comfortable with, that we like, their own understandings with our distractions, with addictions, with excuses? Or will we take of the living waters of the Holy Spirit that can change us and bring good fruit from the inside out? Have we surrendered our jars to the Father to do so? In John chapter 4, Yeshua was walking along with his disciples and he comes across a woman at the well. This woman is a woman of Samaria. And Yeshua had every reason, I mean, you know, he was God, so, but he technically had any reason as a Jewish man to have animosity in his heart towards this woman. She was a Samaritan. If you look at the historian's writings of the baggage that the Samaritans had with the Jewish people and the, the issues they had going back a long time, it's crazy. It's crazy. They did not like each other for good reason. There was a lot of stuff that happened. But Yeshua, I mean, they had theological differences, right? Massive theological differences. But he came to her in love. He could have gone to her and be like, you know what? I'm going to show you some truth right here. Take my Torah and beat you over the head with it. Mm. But instead, he came in compassion. He spoke to her. He showed love to her. He spoke truth. But he also walked in the power of the Holy Spirit, something that I actually didn't even realize until not that long ago. He operated in a gift of the Spirit, in a gift of the word of knowledge, telling her something that he technically should not have known. Woman, you have had five husbands. And as he speaks with her, he fills her with living waters. You have come to this well day in, day out. You have run out of what the world has to offer. But drink of me and you will never thirst again. I am the Messiah. So she runs back to her town, overflowing with everything he has told her, telling the people in her town, come see the man who has told me everything I have ever done. He is the Messiah. And the scripture says that because of her word, that many came to faith in Yeshua because of her testimony. She, in effect, became one of the first evangelists. It's pretty amazing. But when Yeshua spoke to her, he said something very important. He said, a time has come and a time is now that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth in the power and the love of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, that fills your jar, and also the obedience to the Father's instructions, his word of truth. The Samaritan woman was so excited, she left her own jar behind, her own worldly jar that she had tried to use to fill with her worldly water. Will we do the same? Have we done the same? Have we picked it back up again? We all know the verse, if you love me, keep my commands. You probably have it memorized. It's a great verse. It's important. It's beautiful. If you love me, keep my commands. And we've seen the commands that our Father has given in his Torah, the, the Sabbath, the festivals, eating clean. And like, wow, God, thank you so much for these amazing instructions that you've given us for life. And we've sought to keep these commands. But like David mentioned yesterday, have we ever done so in pride? And hypocrisy or self-righteousness. And what about the other commands that Yeshua talks about? If you love me, keep my commands. Do we keep the command to go out into all the world and preach the good news of Yeshua? 
to make disciples, to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to go out and to heal the sick, to pray for the sick, to cast out demons, to walk like Yeshua, our Messiah, walked. It's time to get filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit and to bear the good fruit that he has to offer. Something I love that Alex shared yesterday, I'm going to quote him. It's very difficult to hear what God is saying to you if you've already decided what he has said. I think it's important that we all remain teachable to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us. Remain humble so that we can walk like our Messiah walked in that way. How did Yeshua walk to the woman at the well? Like I said, in love and humility and compassion, are we doing that? When we see something wrong in someone's life, do we go to them? And we have a certain holiday coming up uh, that we all are very aware of. Do we go to them and beat them over the head with a meme and a Bible verse and say, ha, you're doing it wrong? Or do we go to them in love and let them see our actions, our lifestyle that points to Yeshua? And by that, bearing the good fruit in our own life, let that be our witness. I want to encourage you guys. I think it's time that we step outside of our comfort zones to do these crazy things like what Yeshua did to the woman at the well, going to a perfect stranger and speaking words of life to her, operating in the gift of the Holy Spirit. I find it funny that when Yeshua describes the Holy Spirit, he describes it as the comforter. It's because when you step outside of your comfort zone, you step into God's comfort zone. And it's really uncomfortable sometimes, but that's okay because the Holy Spirit is our comforter and he enables, to do, he enables us to do everything God has called us to do if we simply make ourselves available as vessels and go and do everything Yeshua has told us to do. Our bridegroom is returning soon, just like the wedding at Cana. Are we getting ready? Are we walking as our Messiah walked? Our bridegroom is returning for a bride that is equally yoked. Not a bride that's doing her own thing or so full of our own stuff that we're too busy for God and what he's calling us to do. He's looking for a bride that's walking and looking like him. So it's time to get filled to the brim and follow Yeshua.